everybody, whether you're the president of a company or the paperboy, everybody has the exact same amount of time. You and I both have 24 hours a day. No more, no less. The question is, what do you do with your time? Successful Author Podcast. And today I have another big gun. As usual, I only have big guns for you. And he has some unique accolades to his name. So this young man is 10xing his business at record pace. But he is also, I think it's safe to say, the first person who made pay what you want pricing actually work. And he also worked for the special forces in the US military. So let's get back on target with Tom Morks. Hi, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing great, Eric. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm sorry. Did I mess up your last name? It's Morcus. Morcus. We'll, uh, we'll, we can roll with it. Okay. And your website is tommorcus.com? That's correct. All right. So um, I'm also a longtime user of Gumroad, but it's not just about that. I, I just want to mm -hmm. really get into this pay what you want pricing. Most people mm -hmm. think it's so counterintuitive. It can't work. It can't work. And boom, you make it work like crazy. So um, could you give us like a, maybe a, a rundown of that? And, it, and does it work with books mm -hmm. too? Right. So I'll explain that by saying my my introduction to pay what you want pricing was actually as an author. So it's interesting when you kind of frame it as like, does pay what you want work with with writing? That's yeah. how I got my start was using pay what you want pricing with with my own books. Wow. And and for me, it was I started it. I, I started using it because at first when I started writing, I was like actually just kind of too scared to put my book out there, price it, and then have nobody buy it. So mm -hmm. it's like I'd rather somebody just get it even for free, contribute nothing. And that's better for me. So it was more like I have to, I, cause I, the way I organized what I was doing when I first got started, I was like, I want to just make sure I can continue to do what I'm doing. I don't want to, I don't want to get beaten down by like a loss initially, hmm. you know, or, or feel like I wasn't getting any traction cause nobody was buying my books. And so it started with pay what you want pricing because, you know, again, I was just like, honestly, just too scared to put a, a, a price on something. Uh, and what I found was through that, experiment, a lot of people contributed more than I would have expected. And some people contributed a, a lot, like a, like maybe about five or 10% of the audience that, that ended up contributing to some of my early books would mm -hmm. pay, you know, 50 to a hundred bucks for wow. a book because they knew they'd been reading me for a while. And when I'd roll it out, it was very much like, Hey, take it. You can, you can tip me if you like my creative work and want to keep mm -hmm. and, and you want to support my work. And it was 50 very to simple. hundred bucks. Yeah, with, with wow. several contributions. And, and, and still to this day, I, I'll get contributions that are on the higher end there, which is always kind of fun and surprising. But what awesome. I found over, over, over time now is that with pay what you want pricing for, for my books, they still, I think probably like if I, if I looked at it, if I looked at the people who contributed at least a dollar, mm -hmm. um, the average is somewhere like seven to 10 bucks, you know, for, for a book. And it's like, and I'm selling that through my own platform. So most nice. of that is net to me versus Amazon. So yeah. I think it oh, yeah. definitely works for books. So I can hear the ears pricking up among my authors in ZBooks land because 50 bucks for your own book on your own platform, you know, you can't do that on Amazon. I don't think you can do that at least um, for Kindle books. Uh, mm -hmm. So how do you make it work? Do you, 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 what is the, you have to use specific wording or it can only be a warm audience or you say contribute instead of pay or, or 
How do you make it work, actually? Well, there's there's a few things that go into it, I, and and we can get into the details of these. We'll see which is most uh, useful for for you and the listeners to dive into. So wherever yeah. you want to take this, but when I approach pay what you on pricing again through that first experiment, I started doing then a lot more. I started offering kind of like all my books is pay what you want, and then I started offering coaching, consulting services, kind of advisory type stuff is pay what you want. So I actually started mm-hmm. doing consulting on a pay what you want uh, basis, and then and then from there through those experiments, I started interviewing people who were using pay what you want pricing. And then that's where the book, the complete guide to pay what you want pricing came from. Hmm. So that's most likely probably how you heard about me or through, through uh, different, you know, avenues yeah. that, that kind of coalesced to that, just the complete guide to pay what you want pricing. So that was actually been, cause nobody had actually written any kind of book on this topic. There've been yeah. commentary on it on certain types of, you know, some books that maybe commented on the idea of pay what you want pricing, but nobody had taken a deep dive into it. So I was like, mm-hmm. just approach it as if I was like a college student doing a thesis or something like that. Mm-hmm. And was like, how would I like, how does this work? Like really coming into it with a bit of mind cause I'd used it and I thought it was going really well for me, but I was curious if other people were using it at what capacity. So what I, I learned was that there, there's a few kind of like important criteria or important things to consider when, when you approach it. Some mm-hmm. of the baseline things are like the first thing is you want to, you ideally you want to um, use pay what you want pricing for something that uh, you know, would have, could have, uh, could have a range of prices associated with it. That, that's usually where it works really well. What I mean by that is it, you know, even though books have become commoditized with Amazon, you know, mm-hmm. what is what is the price of a book? Well, when you think about it in the context of Amazon, I'd say 10 bucks. But in reality, like a book, you know, textbooks go for 50 bucks. Uh, you know, ebooks can go for 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Like there's actually quite a range. And so mm-hmm. it works relatively well with ebooks. And so anything that's where the price is elastic to a degree, it can work. Mm-hmm. Like pay what you want pricing wouldn't work with oil or gas. You hmm. know, fill up at the gas station, pay what you want. But it works really well with things like books. So that's number one. And then I would say the other kind of critical piece of this too is in terms of like actually getting people to, to contribute, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's confusing to people initially if, if they're not used to this kind of pricing, which most people are not. And so if you are rolling out something that's pay what you want, uh, we'll say a book and you have a mm-hmm. book, you're going to publish it as pay what you want. You want to make sure that it's, it's clear why it is pay what you want. You want to, you want to explain not only what it is and how it works, but why you, you are, are pricing it as this, why you are letting people choose their own price. I think the stronger the reason why, the more likely you are to succeed using this pricing kind of mechanism or pricing technique, which which is to say that like the typical person, they see a book, it's like, okay, it's either for me or it's not. It's either worth that five bucks or 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever, or it's not. And they kind of like either purchase or they, that's it, or they don't. With mm-hmm. pay what you want pricing, you know, especially if you set the bar to zero where people could just pick it up for, for free or, yeah. or contribute, or you can set it at a base price of like a dollar or a few bucks, you know, that's, that's relative. It's kind of up to you how you want to do it. Um, you know, the, the critical piece here is that people need to understand why you're doing it. And so that was one of the things when I when I rolled things up, I was just talking to my audience, which at the time was like people who signed up for my newsletter, so readers. Yeah. And so when I sent, sent it to them, they kind of already, I was able to indoctrinate, so to speak, this idea of like why I try to make as much as I can, you know, free or at least accessible to anyone regardless of their like financial situation. Mm-hmm. And so I've always tried to integrate that message into any kind of sales page where that pay what you want pr- uh, pricing offer is available. So that, you know, that's, that's, that's a little trickier because you can't just say, oh, this pay what you want. And it's going to, you can't just, you know, if you have a book and it's not selling and you're like, oh, I'll try pay what you want. Just, you know, mm-hmm. change it from 
X to pay what you want. I don't think that's going to solve your problems by itself. <laughs> you know, if it's not selling, I don't think pay what you want will fix that per se. Um, but but it's just important too that it's not really as simple as saying, "Hey, this is you know, it's pay whatever you want." You, there should be a compelling reason why, and okay. obviously we could, we could dig into the narrative there. But I think that's really important. The two critical things for people to consider are, mm -hmm. are like the price elasticity of the offer, and you know, can you can you articulate a clear vision for why you are doing this? So that when the reader is checking it out, they're like, "Oh yeah, I get it," and so I'm going to contribute mm -hmm. a few bucks or five bucks or ten bucks or whatever it might be. So, do you think it could work in the back of a book? So, so somebody read your first book, and then the back of the book you have your next book, and do you think that is appropriate, or you think it would work to to make a pay what you want offer in the back of one of your books? Yeah, I mean, you could. Like, what I would do there that that could be a compelling offer. When it comes to books like that, what I would definitely do is, especially if you're already publishing on Amazon, you know, you don't mm -hmm. get that, that data. You don't know who that customer is. Yeah. And so any books that we publish through Insurgent Publishing, my own, I do the same thing too. Anytime I'm working with clients, I, I encourage mm -hmm. them to do the same thing, which is at the front of the book, at the back of the book, at least those two spots, yeah. you want to have some kind of call to action that leads them to to giving mm -hmm. you their e email address. It's, it's this idea of permission marketing, right? That Seth Godin yeah. kind of popularized, uh, geez, probably going on 15, <laughs> 20 yeah, years ago now. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's been a while. But the point is, it's like, we want to get people's permission to follow up with them. So what would be a compelling you know, offer there? Well, mm -hmm. it, 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 I don't think you're going to be able to, to sell the aspect of pay what you want in the book itself. But mm -hmm. if you can lead somebody to a page on your website or to something on your website where you can kind of like, you have more time, you have yeah. you know, maybe to, to explain something, that's the place to do it. But I would still encourage people to have some sort of call to action at the beginning and, and end of their books. Right. With nonfiction books, I, I typically encourage them to just do it at the end of chapters too and mm -hmm. have some sort of like free resource that people can go sign yeah. up for and get the templates or the examples or the extra case studies or whatever it might be. So for nonfiction, it's particularly simple. Fiction, you don't want to interrupt fiction in the chapters. So beginning no, and no, end. No, no, no. Yeah. I even got uh, complaints or, or mm, I don't know, some three-star reviews for some of my nonfiction books and they say, oh, too much links, you know? <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, nobody else complained, but uh, yeah, I, definitely. So do you also do nonfiction books? Yeah, the majority of books, well, all the books we publish through Search I'm sorry, I meant fiction books. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> do you also yeah, do yeah. fiction? Yeah, so I have I've uh, you know I work with fiction authors, but mm -hmm. we we don't publish any any fiction through Insurgent Publishing. So it's all old nonfiction, all business typically, uh, business okay. and, and other types of self help, self development type books. Mm -hmm. But in terms of consulting, advisory, and coaching that I've done, I've worked with uh, I've definitely worked with fiction authors, and mm -hmm. you know the the approach there is every time I have a conversation or or I'm I'm say teaching or sharing kind of what I know about book marketing book launches, book publishing, inevitably it does come back to that. It is, it is very much broken into two categories, uh, yeah. nonfiction and fiction. And, and fiction authors usually struggle, I think, with, with um, maybe, and maybe this is the, you know, maybe there's just like things that have to be improved, but I think they, they struggle with like kind of comprehending how to apply like, certain nonfiction strategies to what they do. Yeah. And, and, and not all work, right? It's, I want to be very clear, not all work. We're talking mm -hmm. about pay what you want pricing. Pay what you want pricing would definitely work for fiction, for sure it would. But, uh, but you know, what's interesting is it's, it's really a matter of, you know, how do you take these same techniques, these same principles and apply them to fiction where it's not, you know, I, th I think marketing fiction books, arguably is, it's easier in some capacities than marketing nonfiction. But when it comes to nonfiction, it's just, it's simpler to wrap your head around how you would market it and how you uh -huh. promote it, like who it's for. 
And that's where I, I see most people get confused or, 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 or struggle yeah. with it from a, a fiction author standpoint. Cause they're like, Oh, you know, for a nonfiction book, it makes sense to have these up upsells or upgrades or whatever yeah, they might be. Yeah. Fiction authors usually struggle with that, but it's really simple, man. It's like, hmm. do you, if you have other books, there you go. That's a good place to start. If you're writing in a specific genre, think about the other people who are also writing in that genre because fiction readers usually read a lot of fiction and they usually re read the same types of fiction in the same kind of categories. So like I, I work with some authors like uh, in the romance space, for instance, and romance readers just consume all romance books. Like that's what they do. Yeah. And so the, the idea being here, it's like, if you're going to try to leverage some of these strategies, you want to think about, I'm, I'm big on partnerships on influencer marketing, that kind of stuff. Having other people share my book with their audiences, a big, big mm -hmm. thing. Any author can do that. That's that, that, that works. It, it works very well for fiction as well. You okay. just have to, you have to think, I think very collaboratively to make it work. Can you, um, okay. Give us a quick rundown of that. Cause that's um, something that I want to do in the near future too. Okay. Well, so, so if I was, if I was approaching fiction and I was saying, okay, well, how do we get this book in front of more readers? Mm -hmm. Well, what's again, what's the genre? What's the topic? Who else is writing in that space? That's doing something similar that already has an audience of people, um, reading their writing. I would, mm -hmm. I would, that's what I would do first is I would do some research I figure out who's out there and then I would try to get in contact with them. And this mm -hmm. is where it works really well. Cause most people aren't doing this in fiction and uh, nonfiction. It works well as well, but you know, there's more competition. I think people are more privy to, yeah. to partnerships and collaboration as capacity fiction authors. Not so much. They're not used to it. So it's hmm. actually very much a blue ocean strategy in my opinion. So I would say, okay, let's just say, you know, what, what book are you working on, Eric? What, what, what's the genre? What's the topic? Or if you don't even yeah. know for sure, just give me an example. Science fiction. Yeah. Science fiction. Perfect. So science fiction. So I would actually start by searching even on Amazon science fiction, um, a very simple place to start and start looking at where those authors, you know, checking out the author profiles of, you know, the top 100 fiction authors. I would focus on self-publishers primarily yeah, because uh, they have more control over what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And out of, out of those top 100 self-published fiction authors in that, in that genre, I then actually find out where, if they have websites or not, are they on social media? Are they promoting their mm -hmm. stuff? Do they, are they clearly building, uh, you know, a readership and, and a yep. list of, of readers? You could find that stuff out very relatively easily when you go to somebody's website, if they have a website, number one, two, if they have a website, are they like collecting email addresses or is it like a dot blog spot where they just talk about what they ate for breakfast? That's not, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. but if somebody's more serious about it, chances are they are, yeah. those are the people that I want to connect with. So what I would do is I'd be like, Hey, um, Hey, you know, Hey Tom, I know you write, you know, this, this sci-fi, this sci-fi book, you know, I, I want, I wanted to to see if there might be a way we could kind of support each other or collaborate that I might be able to kind of help you out. And, and fundamentally it'd be like this, well, we could put your book and my book and a few other books in the same genre together into mm -hmm. maybe a package yeah. and we can all kind of promote it. And then we can all grow our list together that way. And so you could all point them to a single landing page with all these books on it. And maybe it's yeah. free. Maybe all the books are free. Maybe they're all at 99 cents. Maybe you guys will do a discount deal together. There's a lot of ways to kind of carve that up. And yeah. that would just be some of the nuance, but that would be my approach. It's like, I, mm -hmm. it's like basically that the framework is how do I help this other person yeah. achieve yeah. their goals? And for fiction writers, what, what is it? Well, it's more readers. Right. So you can, you could facilitate that by getting a bunch of writers who write in the same genre to all kind of promote each other's products and services. But instead of doing one-to-one, -one, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of leverage and, uh, and, and, and doing yeah. and getting more from less. And so instead of trying to do this one-to-one, -one, mm -hmm. I would try to do it as a group type thing and say, yeah. okay, we're, it's going to be five or 10 of us authors doing this. Yeah. So now everybody's going to benefit 
um, from this together. So, and, I, and that's the kind of stuff you could roll out monthly if you were able to kind of like put those, you know, do the outreach, connect with people, put it together. But uh, a couple of people I work with are kind of using that same strategy, not in, uh, not in sci-fi, but in different genres and, and mm -hmm. it works, you know, not everybody's yeah. going to take you up on that offer. A lot of fiction authors just won't get it, but some will. And, and yeah. many will be open to at least trying it out. And the results are pretty wild. Like you can, hmm. you know, for those who are listening, maybe you're writing, maybe you have a blog and you don't have many subscribers. You know, there's not a lot of people coming yeah. to your website. You know, this is a great way to boost, boost your subscribers by hundreds to thousands. Mm -hmm. um, every time I do it, I end up with, you know, a few hundred to maybe upwards of like a thousand people um, that have just now signed up for, you know, signed, you know, just downloaded my book and, and now they're on my email list and they're going to get a sequence of emails that come out after that. They can unsubscribe, but yeah. it's a nice little boost. It's much, yeah. uh, uh, and you know, it, it's much, the results are, 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 are bigger, better, and faster mm -hmm. than you could with say like content marketing or social media marketing or whatever, because you're mm -hmm. just tapping into existing audiences, but That's you're making awesome. it, you're doing it in a way where it benefits everybody who's a part of it. So you make a book, a box set and you give it away for free for an email? You, you could hypothetically. There, there, there's a lot of ways to carve it up. That would be one example. Yes. Okay, but um, yeah, because then yeah, I think uh, the other authors might might not want to do that or something. Uh, well, maybe it's a, a pr pricing thing then, and it's yeah. a matter of okay, do you want to do you want to discount your book for for mm. a period of time? Well, so the reason you know again, that's just actually that's if, if an author doesn't see the value in that of giving mm -hmm. a book away mm -hmm. um, in exchange for hundreds of new email subscribers, yeah. they are being very short-sighted and that's yeah, okay. Yeah. Like people have different, uh, different prerogatives and, mm -hmm. and different, uh, focuses and, and that's fine. You're not trying to get everybody. There's going to be thousands of authors you could probably work with. Yeah. You just want, you know, you only need a few at a time right. and then all of a sudden they'll get it. Everybody's list will grow that way. And it's a very, it could be a very mutually beneficial kind of ecosystem there. I just thought about it for my children's books because children's books are totally different. You can't just, um, put a link in there for, and, you know, exchange, get the next book for free for an email because most kids don't have emails. So your target audience is not the people who buy the book, you know, mm -hmm. and it's really, it's really, really hard to get these, uh, the lead magnet and all this subs build subscribers for children's books. So this technique sounds awesome exactly for children's books, you know? Yeah, um, 100% it would work. Yeah, I'm going to try that. Probably have to be physical books, but I'm going to try that and get back to you because that sounds really cool. I've been looking for different techniques. Like I said, you know, kids usually don't have an email, so you can't just put the link in there and, hey, download my book. But, you know, um, this sounds really cool. Um, you're, you also have this, um, uh, this canvas that you do before you mm -hmm. launch each book. And um, mm -hmm. uh, you're kind of, uh, I'm, I'm on your website and your mm -hmm. website is awesome. You got all of these free courses and free materials. So you have mm -hmm. the book marketing canvas. And uh, I think you kind of uh, went through it a little bit when you look, one of the boxes is looking for the other people in your genre. And um, so uh, this is part of your free email course. Mm -hmm. to the book launch course. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if people go to tomworkis.com slash, I think it's a publishing course, then mm -hmm. it's a free, I don't know, seven to 10 days type training. Yeah. And, uh, and one of those early on, I kind of introduced the, mm -hmm. the book marketing canvas, which is a riff on, um, I believe it was, it was Ash Maria who created this, uh, in the lean startup space. So he wrote running lean, 
Um, I think that was published very shortly after the Lean Startup was published. So this is like you know, many years ago now. But he basically took like this. There, there's like this idea of like a biz- business canvas or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, you'll find that that this has been around for a while. Yeah. And he took it. He reworked it uh, to refocus it for those who are approaching it from a lean startup perspective, mm-hmm. which is just really more of a bootstrap method. If you don't yeah. have a ton of resources, you don't have a ton of financial backing. You know, that's really the premise of it. And when I saw it, I was like, well, this is great for business. And yeah. I, I was like, maybe I can apply this to books. And so I just used the same template, basically kind of reworked a little bit yeah. for myself, for my own books. And I found that it was really helpful mm-hmm. to kind of I help love it. I'm, more yeah, would, like an entrepreneur. Would you do that for a fiction book too? I, I would do it. You know, the, again, yeah. the, 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 you know, when you look at that canvas, the thing is you might have to look at some of the, the, the pieces of it and say, okay, well, mm-hmm. this is very clearly, you know, maybe some aspects will be very obvious for nonfiction, but fiction might you might have mm-hmm. to think through it a little bit because one of the things I, ta- I ask is like, what's the pain problem like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that you're kind of yeah, solving. Yeah. Fiction authors always, always struggle with that. Exactly. And, and that's because, that's because fiction is, you know, it's entertainment. Right. It's, it's slightly different. Like you're not trying to, you know, and that same goes for movies, any kind of entertainment, you know, mm-hmm. you're not, you know, you're not, it's not as a direct, a, a, a solution. Like the, the pain mm-hmm. isn't, uh, by roof is leaking. So yeah. this is why you need this. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, or but here, maybe, Maybe you could put the main character, his, his, what's he trying to do? What's his point or what, you know, what, what does the main character want there? You know, what does he well, want? You know, my, my, my approach to that, and that, that might work would be actually just to think about more broadly speaking, like you are, you're dealing with entertainment, but you're dealing with people, the, the, the pain or problem for the person who's reading fiction is, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's usually I'm bored, um, <laughs> or, or something along those lines, or I, or I'm bored or I want to be entertained. Okay. Well, then we have to, that's where we zoom in on the genre. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. where it, that's where it's more important. Cause then, cause the, the, what the, the book marketing canvas will help you do is figure out how do I get this book in front of the right audience? Right. That's why I was kind of bringing that up for nonfiction is fairly straightforward for fiction authors. You're like, you know, it's what's, what's my target audience? Well, okay. You know, so we'll roll with sci-fi. So sci-fi. Well, is there a specific mm-hmm. type of sci-fi, or, or is the sci-fi is actually pretty broad? Maybe there's like different levels or different different yeah. uh, buckets within sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And so to just get really clear on what the, that is, and to understand, okay, a good way to think about that is who are the quote-unquote like competitors, or or what 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 is your book like? So so what are other books that are like yours? That's okay mm-hmm. because again, in entertainment, I don't see it as I don't. It's not a zero-sum game at all. Right. And that's what makes I think fiction easier in many ways to market and sell than nonfiction because nonfiction you can argue that to some degree maybe there is some sort of zero sum component to certain aspects of it because if somebody's going to buy a roof for me versus somebody else hmm. that means that person is not going to make that sale hmm. i don't like to think that way i don't think that's the way to think but like yeah. i get i get it when people you know struggle yeah. with something like that with fiction hey man you somebody's not, there's nobody that's not going to read your book because yeah. they have a bunch of other fiction books in that same genre that they haven't read yet, yeah. or because they're really eyeballing like this this one that's going to be really soon or just came out. Like that doesn't mean they're not going to read your book. At, that doesn't mean that at all. If anything, it's like mm-hmm. the more you know, the more types of book that they like that they can read and they can get on their Kindle or get on their device or you know physical copies, whatever, the better. And so mm-hmm. it's very it's it's definitely not zero sum. It's it's one of those things where in fiction, I think it's a rising tide. Um, yeah. and, and, and everybody, every author can win from that and hence yeah. kind of come back to the collaborative nature of what we were discussing earlier. Yep. It's really useful there and it can be really lucrative. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, I think the market's big enough, uh, for all of us. Uh, yeah. um, yeah, it's one of those, uh, things that, um, newbie or just beginner authors struggle with, you know, and, uh, 
Uh, they're always thinking about, oh, pirating, you know, uh, uh, what if somebody pirates my work? <laughs> they don't even worry about that. You just started, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> Be happy mm -hmm. if people pirate your work. You know, that means it's good and it's valuable and then you're going to get more exposure, you know. So, uh, mm -hmm. but I, I really like your book marketing canvas and I've been devouring your stuff. I, I entered your uh, free email course for the book launch. So, awesome. uh, and I super duper recommend that to everybody listening. I'm going to put a link on the blog, uh, the blog post mm -hmm. and the podcast so so yeah let's go maybe uh uh go f through your launch method a bit and then um there was that one part that was really cool the alternative marketing channels so maybe if you mm. could go over the, the 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 canvas is actually the second step in your book launch right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how do you launch a book so there's, there's <laughs> deep a, breath. There's the, yeah, there's there's a lot to it, and uh, uh, you know we're not going to get to all of it on today's call. No, we'll no, dig no, into it's okay. Maybe some of the things I think that are most important. And what right. I would just say is, yeah, check out the links. Um, you know, sign up for the free e-course if you guys are interested. It's just tomworkies.com/slash/publishing-course. That's just one word, no dashes. Yeah. Um, and and you guys can sign up and kind of go through it step by step. So the, the the bottom line is like again, I approach it to say, okay, the book marketing campus is a good start. Um, one of the things, so you want to think about like, who's the audience, who is it for, how do I reach them fundamentally? Because what is it? We just want somebody to buy our book. You know, yep. that's it. We want a lot of people to buy our book and we want a lot of people uh, to buy the book and to like it and enjoy it and write a review. And we make money if we can get, if we can get a lot of people to do that. And especially if we can get a lot of people to do that all, all the time or consistently across time. And that's what creates a perennial bestseller. So mm -hmm. when I think about launching a book, honestly, that's where my head is always focused how do I get this in front of, front of people? And now that can easily be like, well, you could say, well, I could, I could put an ad on Facebook or something like that, or I could, I could promote on social media. If you have an email list, you can obviously email. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. When I'm talking to authors, usually they, you know, th and those are things you should use if you, if you mm -hmm. have them, like if you have access to those, if you actually already have like a social media following, if you have an e uh, email newsletter, yeah. use those, leverage those, any, anything where you have any kind of connection to somebody, especially if you're just getting started for somebody's like really starting from scratch, doesn't have most of that. Well, the place to start then is with friends and family mm -hmm. and, and just being direct. Cause that's like the way you will get traction. A lot of people are scared to share their stuff with friends and family, but man, they're going to, they're going to be supportive of you mm -hmm. and they might be able to share. And so that's one of the things I look at it and say, hey, you know, if you wouldn't mind taking a look at this book or, or sharing this book on social media or sharing this somewhere or whatever, not even asking people to buy it. Just, hey, I'm coming out of this book. You know, would you mind sharing it? Starting yeah. with friends, family, acquaintances. It's a good place to start. But then I say, okay, how do I, that, that, you know, that could take a while and that's only going to go so far. Yeah. Well, that's where I say, where are there audiences of people who are already reading these books? Mm-hmm. And so you can't say Amazon because Amazon, you're not going to be able to, to collaborate with Amazon. They're not going to give you access to any of those readers. They're not going to yeah. promote anything for you. So that's not, that's not the answer. Even though the readers might be on Amazon or purchasing books on Amazon, that's actually not where they are. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to find out where they are. So you want to look at who are the people in the industry, in this space specifically, who have audiences or readerships composed of these people interested in this, in this genre or this topic. Okay, so nonfiction, mm -hmm. very easy. Fiction, same deal. Uh, just like, if anything, it's like, if anything, in fiction, it might be even easier because there's just not as many prominent um, bloggers and podcasters in the fiction realm as nonfiction, right? Just broadly speaking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but the ones that are there, like, they're going to probably be very open to, to something like this. So I say, okay, where do those people, the people who would read my book, who would enjoy it, what blogs are they reading? What podcasts are they listening to? What Facebook groups are they a part of? 
where are they engaging? Are there any forums online where they engage as well? Um, social media, what are the accounts they follow? Where, where is the interaction and the engagement happening? Yeah, That's it. That's critical. And so a lot of the work I do on these kind of launches is just that. It's very much just research. It's, it's research, knowing that's what I'm looking for, doing the hard work of actually sifting through stuff and searching for it and compiling that. And then the next step is, okay, how do I how would I get in front of this audience specifically? So this, I find this blogger, I find this podcaster, I find this Facebook group, this forum, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe a list of 10 or 20 or 50 or hundred. Like if I'm doing a launch, I'm going to try to get at least like, you know, try to find at least a hundred people I could partner with ideally. Yeah. Um, and if it lands in the 20, 30, 40, that's not so bad. You know, um, you know, if I have 20 or 30 influencers promoting or sharing my book, that's a mm-hmm. good, really good start. Yeah. Um, and this doesn't have to be just for the launch, by the way. I will make a quick side note on that. So okay. if, if your book is already published, you could still use this kind of a, approach to collaboration and, and kind of and partnerships and influencer marketing, for lack of a better way to describe it, for a book that's already published. Mm-hmm. But uh, kind of coming back to the launch, we'll focus on the launch. I do that research. Then I start reaching out to people. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I, I want to be able to organize my thoughts and be able to say, okay, what could I do that would benefit this person? How would I make it a win for them? Because again, you know, especially if you're working with you know, fiction authors, for instance, and this person has a blog and they're a fiction author and they write a bunch of books on this topic. If I come and say, hey, I'm, I wrote a book on a similar topic uh, or in the same genre, you know, would you share it? It's like, yeah. no thanks, man. People are busy. Um, and and you know, maybe if you said, I'll pay you for it, maybe you get, you know, maybe you get a better response. But even that I think is going to be, it, it might not be the best approach. So yeah. I always look at it from a, a value-based approach of, and a relationship-based approach. Uh, anytime I do kind of any kind of influencer marketing partnerships, anything like this, I take a relationship-based approach to it. Okay. Which is to say that I want to, what would it take? How would I build a relationship with someone? What is a relationship? How do you create one? Well, r- relationships like kind of fundamentally, they're they're uh, they're this like kind of uh, this this they're they're a give and take. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing we'll say this kind of like, you know, thing or entity or whatever. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe like what a relationship is, but there's some, we can, we can say what it's not. A relationship isn't somebody just taking something from the other person all the time. That's not a relationship. (laughs) So there's some, so we know what it's not. So what, what, what could, what is a relationship? Then there's some, some form of given, give and take. And if you're the one reaching out, you have to be able to give something before you take it. Okay. So what could Mm -hmm. you give to these people? What would benefit them? And mm-hmm. if you just start putting yourself in the mindset of what could I give to other people? How could I support them? How can I help them? You're going to get responses from people. Not everybody, but a percent, a good percentage will, will respond to you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, little by little, doors will open because there's a compounding nature of this too. Once you connect with one or two people, guess mm-hmm. what? Yeah. When you ask for an introduction to somebody else or say, hey, who else would be a good fit for this? They can probably come up with one or two other people that they can introduce you to. And so that's why I take a relationship-based approach because it's actually way more lucrative in the long run hmm. and just more pleasant and more fun. And it's just beneficial across the board because yeah. one, again, once you get to that point, then things start to compound pretty quickly. That sounds like some good organic growth going on there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, okay, then what's next? Well, if, okay. So, so once I'm, I'm doing that and I want to think, okay, this is the thing, this is what I could, add, this is the value I could add to what they're doing already. I'm going to reach mm-hmm. out, connect with them. So if I reach out to 50 people and this is not, you do not want to do cold email for that. That's another thing. If you're taking notes on this, write it down, just don't cold email anyone. Okay. Like, and so what is What is a cold email? It's, it's when you're emailing somebody who doesn't know you. And yeah. so if you email somebody out of the blue, um, unless you're like really, really good at writing a cold email and some sort of <laughs> 
something like that, you're probably not going to get a response. And in most industries that do any kind of cold outreach, it's like, or especially cold email, the response rate is usually like under a half percent. Yeah, you can't yeah. do that when you, you with this approach that I'm describing to you with with influencers and, mm -hmm. and bloggers, podcasters, content creators. There's just not enough of them for you to use that approach. You will just burn your bridges. So again, I take the relationship-based approach and I'd rather focus on fewer and deliver more. And so I'm looking at saying, okay, I wanna, if I could build a list of 100 people I could work with on this, what would that look like? Okay, what could I, what could I offer them? What, what would be the benefit to them sharing something like this? Mm -hmm. Well, and let's say, the, what, let's say the benefit, especially for somebody who's starting from scratch, you don't have, a, maybe you don't have a ton of assets that you could, that would help facilitate something like this. Like I'm, I'm relatively established now where if I reach out to somebody, mm -hmm. I have an email list. I have, I have readers and customers and clients and stuff like that. There's a lot of ways. I have a podcast as well. I have a blog. Yeah. You know, I could blog, I could, I could plug somebody into my blog. I could write about yeah. them. I could interview them. I yeah. could do an email blast uh, yeah. to something. I could do a collaborative thing because uh, I, and I have the infrastructure for it that, that backs it up. And I have the, I have those assets and I have uh, mm -hmm. the audience, the reach, et cetera. For somebody starting from scratch. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so you okay. recently uh, interviewed Jordan Peterson. Uh, did, did, did they bust did. your server with all the traffic? <laughs> yeah, well, it was a good one. It was, it was really yeah. good. You know, I listened it was, to it. it. Thank fun. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's a great example. Like, you know, it just took a while. Um, and, and, and these things take time. And so I, I always try to think, well, how would I get, how would I get to know this person? What could I do to benefit them? How can I show them that I'm sincere and that I follow? Okay. So how did you get Jordan Peterson? I, I don't want to dig into that. Oh, okay. Okay. Honestly. But it wasn't a cold email, huh? It wasn't a cold email. Okay. 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 So, so there the bottom you go. line is it's yep. the same process I'm describing to you guys. Yep. Uh, fundamentally, yep. it is. Okay. And there's nuance to different approaches. Um, but like, so, so for example, like if you know, uh, you know, somebody, so you want to get in front of, you know, especially, you know, the high, the bigger the name, the harder it is. Okay. Yep. Of course. And so you're going to get, you have to go through gatekeepers and stuff like that. Well, one of the ways to kind of like kind of sidestep some of that stuff is if they have, say, um, if they have like a program or something like that, maybe mm -hmm. you could, could, buy the program or join the mastermind or join the group or something like that. Engage. Oh, yeah. If, yeah. if you're coming from a totally cold, like if I'm part of a group, I, I'd say that's where I built most of my partnerships was like, mm -hmm. I was in these, this, like I'd, I'd pay for access to like this course or this group or this program. And I'd engage and try to be a value to that group because you don't need a ton to, to reach a tipping point. And so actually, right. you know, I'll, I'll make up a, a call out because I th think they're great, but Corbett bar of fizzle.co, like I, I was part of fizzle for, you know, really since they started for like many years oh, yeah. and it's just a great, you know, it was a great network and a great group of people, very supportive. And so it's like, who are, who are the type of people you'd want to be partnering up with anyway? You know, do they have like this, this approach to kind of, uh, you know, of generosity and reciprocation? Cause there's going to be, you're going to find plenty of people who don't have that in mind at all. Hmm. or just looking to make a quick buck. Yep. And so I, I thought very early on, I'm like, well, I'm just going to go, I'm, I'm going to go where my interests pull me and also where like I feel like the the vibe of the community and and the interaction is positive and helpful because the last thing I need to do is like you know <laughs> spend my time with people who who don't have the same values as me yeah. so like <laughs> that's that's a good example so I would just say like that that's the critical thing there's a lot of ways to get in front of somebody but I would say so I have a program called influencer marketing method where I kind of break this approach down like really step by step really nuanced but the critical piece is Going from cold, you want to, you only want to reach out to people where there's a kind of a warm relationship. Mm -hmm. So I give you one example. Maybe you buy some, maybe you, you pay for access to a community and you join for, for a year or something like that. And you start engaging. So then when you want to get in contact with the owner of that community, guess what? Hey, I'm a member and I've been engaging and the person's probably already seen you. Maybe you've already talked to them. Great. 
So now you can bring up the, hey, this is what I was planning. Would this, something like this work for your audience? Mm-hmm. Would something like that work? Would that be a good fit? And so that's how you go from cold to warm. Yeah. Um, other ways is like, listen, almost everybody, you, it, it, again, if we're talking with these kind of influencers, chances are they're on Twitter. Chances yeah. are they're on Facebook. Chances are they're doing something on social media. Follow them. Mm-hmm. Respond to their comments. Retweet. Um, sign up for their newsletter. Reply to their newsletter when you get an email that you like. You say, hey, comment on it and say something that you liked about it. If they have a blog and they're blogging, write a comment on the blog. If they have a podcast, write a review on the podcast and then email them saying, hey, I wrote a review. Oh, I just wanted to let you know, I just, this is great. Yeah. And I'm not asking for anything at this point. I'm literally just trying to give. And I'm trying to give, but I'm trying to give strategically, which, which I, and what I mean by that is you could, there are people who will burn themselves out being generous their entire life. And it's like, listen, that's, there, there's, there's no nobility in that if you end up <laughs> just broke and destitute and you've given everything because now somebody's going to have to take care of you. And so what yeah. I mean by that is being you know, strategically generous in this capacity is, hey, when you are generous in, in, in a capacity like this where you're helpful, let the person know because they, they're probably not going to be paying attention, but that's helpful yeah. you know, and, and to let them know. So I, I do like to let people know if I wrote a podcast uh, review and I email them and say, hey, just w- wanted to let you know I wrote a podcast. I think this is great. Keep it up. Or if I like the blog post that somebody wrote, I'm going to send them an email or, or, or comment on it or do both yeah. and to let them know that I liked it. And so now <clears> all of a sudden, when I reach out and I'm like, okay, now I have an idea of how I could, I'd like to get them on board with something like this. I've already done something where they've seen my name, maybe ideally multiple times mm-hmm. and ideally in a kind of multiple touch points. So an email and uh, via a newsletter, like a response to a newsletter email yeah. um, in somebody's email uh, newsletter. That's great. That's, you know, t- um, it's a point of contact, right? Another, you know, point of contact or touch point would be like Twitter. And then maybe mm-hmm. another one is Facebook or a group or a community or something like that. Right. So by the time that I reach out to them, may, they may be seen me uh, once or twice or three times and they might not remember me, but that's why I would also bring that up. Oh, like I, I wrote a pod, a review for your podcast, uh, you know, a few weeks ago or a few months ago or something like that, hmm. where I shared, I shared on Twitter a few days ago, a few weeks ago and, or something like that. And, and, and I was thinking dot, dot, dot. Like that's hmm. a good approach. It's a good way. That's like one way to do it. I, again, an influencer marketing method, I break it down step by step and ways to think about what that ask is mm-hmm. and how to kind of uh, navigate that territory. But I'm just giving you one example as a framework. Okay. And you could say, you know, I, so I, I, I left a positive comment or I left a positive review and I was thinking about it and I thought this, right? So mm-hmm. now all of a sudden that person's going to open that email. They're going to be receptive to that. Even if the answer is no, that's okay. That is okay. Like I recently had Seth Godin on the podcast. You nice. might have listened to that one. I don't know if you did, but I came a little bit after. But I will. Jordan Peterson. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. It's it's a good. I got a lot of good 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 feedback and comments on that. Hmm. I've reached out to Seth Godin probably a probably a dozen times in the past ten years. Um, and and the point is like it it takes time. Yeah. Like and and I've gotten lots of no's, but it's always okay. And it always the no. There, anytime there's a no, it always left the door open mm-hmm. in the future. And, and sure enough, now he's, he's been on my podcast and that yeah. was great. And so I'm trying to do that with other people too. Like there's certain people that I know I'm not going to get a yes from now, but maybe in three years, maybe in five years, maybe in 10 years. I'll tell you what, if you don't yeah. take that approach yeah. and that mindset, you're, you're, you're probably inevitably going to get sucked into the, uh, the abyss and, <laughs> uh, and the trap that is like, uh, you know, instant results and instant gratification, which is, okay, you're going to find, okay, I'm not in for the long haul. I just want a quick return right now. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it's, it, there's, there are two paths to take in life. That's one path. I think people can do well in that path, maybe financially. 
Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I know they can, but I don't know how how long term it could be. Maybe it can be long term, you know, profitable uh, yeah. financially. I don't know. Um, but I'll tell you what. Like I, I found more people who are find themselves in 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 predicaments going down that path because they compromise their values. They compromise what they're doing. They went for that that short win. And there are things that will work, especially online, to get sales, to get people, you yeah. know, paying attention, to get people buying. That 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 will that will burn bridges and then and then and and hurt you over the long run. And so mm -hmm. I just encourage people focus on the long term. Never, yeah. never, never uh, accept or or go for the short term payoff. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a consequence of like uh, you know giving up the 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 future upside. That's a that's a bad way. Yeah. Never, never, never do that. Mm -hmm. um, always focus on okay. This this can be a no now. That's fine. Okay, I, you know, I launched my book. I didn't get as many partners on board. But guess what? The ones who said no, the door's still open. Yeah. Because I didn't yep. do anything slimy or, or sleazy. <laughs> I'll, I'll make yeah. I'll make one last point. There was two documentaries that recently came out about the fire festival. Ah. Which is if you have not heard about this thing, you have to check it out. It's it's a fascinating story. I thought the one on Hulu was fantastic. It was called Fire Fraud. And it's a good example of like when I say things can, like if you go down that path of short return mm -hmm. and trading trading uh, trade offs like that, that's a great just a great case study of what that looks like in the extreme. Interesting, like, yeah. It's it's fraud and it's it's abuse and misuse and and there's just no way this guy will anybody will ever trust him ever again after this. I just got and one of like, your emails oh, today yeah. about the fire festival. Uh, yeah. I haven't, haven't read it yet though because we're doing this podcast but um uh That's yeah right. I, at first i thought it was about you know the um the new year's celebrations in scotland where they burn everything the apelia or whatever it's called or that viking festival uh, so it has nothing to do with that right <laughs> no this is a big uh this is supposed to be with the like the biggest you know music concert ever ah, and okay. it was gonna be like the bahamas and Ja Rule teamed up with this the founder that that's this, this mm. thing is uh, basically about, and like they partnered up on it, and they they did this huge social media influencer mm. blitz where all the you know you know the biggest name Instagram influencer models and stuff like that were were all promoting it, and so they they generated you know thousands, I think tens of thousands of sales of tickets of this thing, um, made millions on it, and then people showed up. They flew in. There's no infrastructure. There was nothing. The event never happened. The oh. bands canceled. I mean, it was it was absolutely insane. That's what why I think a scam, it's a scam, huh? It's it's to total total scam, right? But oh. you can see it. Like that's why I say watch the documentary if you have no. It's a really interesting, I think, look and case study of mm -hmm. what happens when you know if if you go down that path where you're just like trying to trying to make a quick buck yeah, or you compromise yeah. values or, you know, cause it's so easy to do yeah. online. You have to be really, really careful mm -hmm. about like tiptoeing that line. Yeah. Like I have nothing against pre-orders. I have nothing against, you know, crowdfunding. I have nothing against selling before you build something. I'm a big proponent of all those things, but you have to follow through. Yeah. yeah and, like, for at the, sure. at the, and you'll see it like at the point where they knew this thing wasn't going to come together. Like, you could have told, you could have known it wasn't going to come together a week or two out, like, because <laughs> there's no infrastructure, right? And a week or two out, that's not going to be built. Yeah. And they could have just stopped and said, hey, do not fly here. But instead, they let everybody fly there. And it was just an absolute debacle. So it's just wow. a great case study, great example of like, <clears throat> what wrong looks like. Yeah, I'm going to check out that email once once I'm off this podcast yeah. with you. But yeah, I mean, that is segue is very good into some things I've been looking into a little off topic. But, um, you know, I, you know, I'm always in these business courses and with marketers and stuff. And uh, they're saying, yeah, the money's in the in the long run, at least, let's yeah. say six months, you know. And yeah, there's there's all sorts of high pressure sales techniques to get them to that landing page and get your tripwire offer and all this initial stuff. And but that's just 
the low hanging fruit and that's where everybody else is. If you look at the long run and, and go for the, let's say six months, the person that's going to buy from you in six months. And that's where, you know, that's where the longevity is and the, the sustainability. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you something else to think about. Maybe instead of that, think about it. What would, what would it look like for this person to purchase in six years? Yeah. Okay? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, yeah. it's, it, it is, it's, uh, it really is a matter of, perspective and what that time frame is. That's a good and one. Yeah. Six months is actually super short. And, yeah. and, and, you know, you, and, and so you're going to be disappointed if you're like, Oh my, you know, six months, even 12 months, you, but you'd be blown away what you can accomplish in a decade. It's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, in half a decade, it's, yeah. and, and a lot of people just aren't, they're not actually, that's when you know if somebody's committed or yeah. not to what they do. Yeah. If it's like, you know, and if they're in it for the quick buck or not, mm -hmm. like if somebody's a serious author, they should be thinking on a, a 10 year time horizon. I yeah. genuinely believe that. That's and if they're not, yeah. then, then I just don't think they're really in it. Yeah. I don't think they yeah. really understand the cost that comes mm. with this. And, you know, I'll say this too. You mentioned the tripwire and some of these like internet marketing kind of things that could be, that are easily spun and become sleazy. And then every, yep. and then you think, so here's, here's a mistake. The mistake is made when you think that if somebody is using that tactic, that they are sleazy. That's not the answer. That's not the case. Hmm. It just, it works. And so it can be done. Uh, it can be done in a way that I think is ethical. Um, and, 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 and as, and benefits the customer or the user like tripwires, it's great. So that's mistake. Number one, don't just because you see people using a technique and they, it, it's sleazy. Don't discount that, mm -hmm. that that itself is the problem. Um, but on the flip side of that, many people will look at people who are successful and then they'll go sign up. They're like, Oh, okay. This person's doing a tripwire offer. I need yeah. to do that. Yeah. And they put their time and effort into doing that and nothing happens. Or again, then they kind of end up going down that sleazy route because they're not going to result. So they go more extreme with a, with yeah. what they're saying or doing to get to mm -hmm. you know, clickbait type stuff. And, and that's where then it spirals out of control and it doesn't lead anywhere positively. Yeah. So the, the, it's like, you have to look at that from both, both extremes, you know, don't judge, yeah. judge something as being bad because some people have made it look bad. It's like influencer marketing. And that's mm -hmm. a comment I made in the newsletter that you're talking about when you go back and read it. It was like, you know, I, and I don't know if I got into this in depth with the, the email, but it was definitely what I was thinking. And, and maybe I'll write more about it later. Mm -hmm. It was like influence, you know, influence marketing is really powerful. It can also be, it can be used for good. It can clearly be used for evil. And, you know, you, you've seen it with the fire festival and, and how that was promoted and what happened. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean that all influencer marketing you know, should not exist or, or, yeah, or yeah. It's, it's evil or bad. That's not the case at all because it's actually, think about if they had done all that for maybe a charitable cause mm -hmm. and they raised all that money, millions of dollars and yeah. put it into building schools and wells and supporting, you know, the poor and all that is actually things that could have been done with the same techniques. <laughs> so, but, but at the same time, don't look at the people who are doing things well that you are trying to emulate and then focus in on, zoom in on some really, <laughs> you think it's important, but it's so, it's so minuscule. And it's not the reason they're successful. They're not <laughs> successful because of that small little tactic or trick or thing that they yeah. did. They're not free. They're not. They're not successful because they have a free book that you can order and you pay shipping. They're not. <laughs> they're not successful because they have a coaching program. They're not successful because they have 500 books. You know, yeah. it, it, there's all sorts of ways to be successful. But I'll tell you what: the people who are, I think, genuinely successful across time, and there are exceptions to the rule. I got it. But I think the ones who are genuinely successful across time mm -hmm. are those people who are kind of in it for the long run, yeah. and they've done the hard work of showing up every day, sharing, teaching. Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and I think yeah. many, if not all do leverage partnerships and things like that, mm -hmm. especially as they get bigger. So I'm just trying to help people circumvent some of that pain and saying, Hey, instead of, you know, wait, you know, trying to do stuff the really, really hard way. It's like, 
let's do some things the easier way without compromising our values, yeah. you know, without taking, without taking shortcuts that would, you know, trade future earnings for a short, short-term game hmm. gain. Um, instead, you know, still focus on the long-term horizon, but look at levers that you could pull that can get you results faster. And that's why like collaboration in this capacity, hmm. um, kind of approaching it from like a longer term strategy and, and more of a relationship base that it's a long, longer burn. It's not going to get you a quick result, like cold email, but when it does get you a return, it'll be much bigger and it'll be much more sustainable because I work with partners all the time. I've, I've probably yeah. worked with, uh, I've worked with over a thousand for sure. Probably I've worked with over like two, 2000 at this point, at wow. least like influencers and yeah. you know, bloggers, podcasts to promote products of mine or my clients. Yeah. Okay. And guess what? I can come back to probably at probably 90% of them. And they're going to be happy to receive that email. 10%, I, you know, I'm not I actually probably more than that. Like you're always going to have your one or two that, you know, maybe the, the promotion wasn't what they expected or wasn't exactly that. But, you know, shooting for that 90%, like that A, A or A minus is, you know, if you're hitting that, that's okay. But I'd say at least 90% being, being really conservative on that would be happy to receive the email, would be happy to receive that call, yeah. would be open to doing another uh, collaborative enterprise with me. And so one of my new businesses is actually it, our entire lead generation, our entire traffic generation is partnerships. And hmm. so I have this Rolodex of partners that I can go back to that I've worked with in the past. And when and if it's a good fit, I reach out to them. And guess what? Repeat partners, people promoting again and again and again. This is over you know, years of time, hmm. like five years, working with the same partners again and again and again, years after. And so it's like, you have to take the long-term view on this. The, the, yeah. the long, you have to look at the long, longer time horizon. Yeah. You've helped some big guns too. You, you uh, helped Neil Patel launch his book or something. Mm -hmm. Yep. I worked with Neil Patel and ended up, we hit the New York times bestseller list. I awesome. think number four. Uh, so we didn't hit number one, which uh -huh. was, uh, I think that's a, that's, I think that's just because, well, that's because New York times wasn't based on, it's not based uh, so on sales. Physical uh, books in certain so. stores, right? Yeah, it's well, it's just it's based on whatever they feel like. They actually, you know, you brought up Jordan Peterson. I don't think Jordan Peterson hit the New York Times bestseller list, or he definitely didn't hit number one when he should have. He sold like two, two or three million wow. copies of his books because yeah. I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't think it it, it meshes for whatever reason they decide mm -hmm. that it doesn't mesh with what they want to be promoting. And they're yeah. very clear on the New York Times, like this is not about we don't do this quantitatively. Hmm. Um, but but USA Today is. I think uh -huh. Wall Street Journal is. And so those are the lists that are actually much easier to hit yeah. and that you can actually hit because those are actually based on sales. And this is in your Launch Hacks book. Is that one of your free books? That is. Yeah. You can get launch. If you just go to tommorkes.com, just yeah. go to the website, T-O-M-M-O-R-K-E-S.com. Yeah. Uh, right on the homepage, I have uh, Launch Hacks and it's a free ebook. It's like hmm. I go through I, nine launch hacks. And one of those is what we did with Neil Patel. Yeah, and awesome. one of the things that worked really, really well for yeah. him, and he was very enthusiastic about it. And and it was just a way to get in front of hundreds of, of influencers' audiences and reach, you know. And that yeah. that's the that's the network effect of this. Yeah. So instead of going one to one to sell a book, it's like I'm going one to many, and so I'm building that relationship with one person who has influence, you know, whose 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 influence yeah. can affect thousands. And so when they share a book, guess what? We've just reached an audience of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Yep. I think in the capacity of Neil Patel, probably millions, honestly. Yeah, cool. With all the blogs and the podcasts and everything else that we were able to kind of get in front of. Yeah. Um, but even then, we still didn't hit n number one. So, hmm. you know, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, you, you're you're never going to be able to guarantee results, bottom mm -hmm. line. But it's okay. You know, yeah. it's like it's still, it's still okay to hit number four on the New York Times. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite uh, quotes from that book is, the secret of all victory lies in the organization of the non-obvious. Mm. 
this was your alternative marketing channels chapter, I think, or maybe it was mm -hmm. in your free email course. Now I might be mixing it up. Mm -hmm. Uh, it might have been the free email course, but I, yeah. I, I actually I can't can't quite recall. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking alternative marketing channel, well, let me talk about that that quote. You know, I've heard that that was a quote from Marcus Aurelius. Although yeah. I think when I dug into research, it was like, oh no, it's a misattribution. But let's just say it's Marcus Aurelius because okay. he's a very brilliant Stoic. You yeah. know, Roman emperor has a lot of. Uh, you know, he wrote some amazing books. Yeah. I did read uh, Meditations is a fantastic one, and, yeah. and there's some other good, like really solid philosophy that that he shared in his time. But so even if it was a misattributed quote, I still love the, I love the quote itself. And yeah. it's like, okay, what's, what's non-obvious? Like, so what that means is you have to look at, well, what is obvious? What are the things that people are doing? Now, if I were to say, well, what if I looked at this from a different vantage point? And that's, that's a matter of questions. I think it's the <laughs> questions you ask yourself. And so I think the better questions you can ask, um, the, well, the better answers you'll get and the better results you'll get. And some, some of that asking better questions is a, is, is the result of experience and wisdom. The yeah. person who has, has more experience, more wisdom, asks better questions. And but that's that. That's not just because. Well, that's because they had the, they built up the experience, and they built the built the wisdom over time, and so they can ask better and better questions. But an example would be like, okay, I want to get this book out, and what's the minimal minimum threshold for you? Do you want to reach a thousand readers this this year? If you haven't reached a thousand readers, mm -hmm. your goal is not to become a six figure author. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, of so course, like, of course. You know, but it's so many people that just like they come to me and like, I want to be making sixty thousand dollars a month. How much are you making now? Uh, about five hundred dollars a month. It's like, listen, listen, this is not even in the ballpark. That's yeah. that's not a goal. Yeah. That's that's a dream, and it's yeah. not even a very good dream. It's like it's like a fake dream. You know, it's like yeah, a yeah. it's a dream that will lead you to uh, dissatisfaction with yourself <laughs> and everything you do. Yeah. So where you're at, you have to say, well, what's the next the next what's the next step? And it doesn't have to be like, oh, I want to go from one sale to two sales. You can think a little bit bigger than that. But you could say, okay, how do I get my first hundred readers? How do I get my first hundred sales of this book? Yeah. Well, to accomplish that, if you have never done that, that's where you start. You don't try to hit the New York Times. You say, I'm going to hit, I'm going to try to get a hundred readers. I'm going to try to get a hundred people to buy this book and read it. Mm -hmm. Well, that only takes you one or two partners, man. Maybe hmm. three. Like, honestly, like you don't need much cool. to reach that. And then that's yeah. where you should focus. Awesome. So I respect your time. We have one uh, time for one more question, right? Sure. Well, All yeah, right. we, we can do a couple more actually. I can, I, I'll, I can do another probably five to 10 minutes. Okay, perfect. Okay, then. Uh, what about uh, do you have you any experience with these launch services like BookBub or BuckBooks or all of these lists? Yeah. I oh, well, those those I don't consider them launch services. I would just say those yeah. are like discount deal sites. Uh, as far as I understand them, maybe they're doing more stuff now. But like, yeah, I mean, every time I've launched a book, you know, through my publishing company or even my own, mm -hmm. uh, if I'm using them on Amazon, because a lot of those are geared towards Amazon. They'll like yeah. promote your book if it's free on Amazon or discounted to like 99 cents or something like that or 2.99, whatever. Do you have the any is, favorite yeah. one? Uh, it just depends on the genre, man. Okay. And uh, I do a lot of business nonfiction, so yeah. um, you know, they they work. I think I'm a big fan of you know Matt Stone. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a good guy, man. And I, I, I've really enjoyed working with him over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and he has, his is book books. Right. And exactly. I found that one. I always go to book books. Like mm -hmm. I'll always use them. Bookbub is also has been really good in the past, but mm -hmm. I'll, I mean, man, I've, I think I've used them all. And so mm -hmm. I'm always willing to experiment, you know, for mm -hmm. 50, hundred bucks here or there to see what works. Uh, yeah. and, and, and that's going to be a matter of experimentation, but also, to, you know, then you got to also know you got to, plan to invest a little bit of money into what you're doing too, yeah. to help kind of kick things off. Not a ton, but it does not hurt to, mm -hmm. 
when you're launching a book to leverage a service like that or yeah. for a relaunch or just to get extra like extra life into a book to do something like right. that. I'm a big proponent of that. But book, um, but book bub is notoriously hard to get. Mm -hmm. Do you have to have like minimum 50 reviews or something or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and so, yeah. So when we do stuff like that, we usually don't do it for the launch. Ah. We'll, We'll organize it like after we've launched and I we see. do we hit yeah. that minimum threshold. Okay. So we'll do it as like a, you know, a kind of a relaunch, I call it, you know, maybe right. three yeah. six months or something like that or a year. So yeah, some of them have more, more stringent requirements okay. and some don't work when you're just releasing a book for the first time. Mm -hmm. So again, but that just comes back to it. It's like, well, what would you need to hit that? Well, it's like you need 20 reviews. Okay. How do you get 20 reviews? Yeah. Well, you probably maybe you need 200 readers and 10 percent are going to write review. How do you get mm -hmm. 200 readers? You know, those are questions you can answer. Anybody can answer those questions. Yeah. Cause even if the answers, I'm going to, I'm going to email 200 people individually, or I'm going to call 200 people. You could do that. You could probably do that in a couple of weeks time and you could probably make it happen. And so that's the thing. It's like, you just have to ask better questions, I think, or, mm -hmm. and, and, and really, you know, and, and be, be modest, be humble mm -hmm. and know if you're starting from scratch, you're starting from scratch. You know, it, yep. it takes a little bit of time. There's no such thing as a, a, a one you know, a person who just kind of com comes out of nowhere. Even the examples of books where they kind of came out of the nowhere, they really did not come out of nowhere. No, <laughs> no, no. no. Yeah. Some people say Andy Wires. Uh, well, no, he, he wrote his book on his blog for 10 years or something, you know. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, you don't uh, see the behind the scenes of how hard yeah, these people are working, yeah. how long, how many hours they're putting in, how much time they spent just like building connections and relationships with people. Yeah. Okay, so what's your number one tip for beginning authors? play the long game yeah okay that's it man and for advanced authors what's your number one tip uh well <laughs> it'll be a cop out to say the same thing but uh, i would say advanced that's where i, I actually <laughs> honestly for both play the long game yeah. and i would say partnerships because it actually mm -hmm. works really well for beginners and it works really really well for established and advanced authors yeah cool. if you have if you have established credibility man, it's so much easier to get a response. Yeah. You know, people respond to you better. Um, you know, they, they know your proven entity. Mm -hmm. So again, if you play the long game and you start with partnerships, starting from scratch with no, no background, it's a little tough for a beginning author, but I still think it's a, one of your fastest paths yeah. to getting in front of audiences is still collaboration. But for an advanced author, it's a no brainer. It's an absolute no brainer. So maybe, um, maybe that kind of answers the next question, but if there was one thing that you would, uh, wished you would have done sooner when you're starting over or mm -hmm. something, what would it be? Hindsight's 2020. Yep. And you know, when I think back on it, I'm, I'm very happy, uh, yeah. very content with where my life has ended up. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and so, uh, you know, everything's worked out how it should, but I would say I cool. was very fearful of publishing, of hmm. putting myself out publicly. It took me, I thought about starting a blog for like a, two or three years before I started one. I actually started kind of a, a, a blog quietly, like on Blogspot or something like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell anybody about it. I just wrote and published on it for like a good like six months before I started TomMorcus.com mm -hmm. just to actually get in the rhythm of publishing something online. <laughs> Even though nobody was reading it, yeah. it was like the act of putting it out there I knew it was kind of public and I had to get mm -hmm. comfortable with that process. Hmm. So if I look back on it, I say, I wish I kind of started sharing my ideas sooner. Yeah, that's interesting. Because see, these things compound. And so that's it. Like the yeah. sooner, so the thing I wish I had done sooner was just start sooner. Hmm. And so if you're listening to this and you haven't started, you don't have a blog. Honestly, here, here's, here's your homework yeah. uh, is, is, is get a blog up this week and write your first 500 word blog post. That's it. 
like really small, really simple. Doesn't matter if you have all the bells and whistles. You don't need all the pages on the site set up. Just do that one thing. And then do the next thing after that. And it's like, but that one critical thing is there. You don't need to, everybody get, I think people get overwhelmed when they actually start going down the path. The the people who really want to make something happen, they get overwhelmed because they don't have all these hundred things they need to do. They just don't do any of them. Just do the one thing, man, do it and get it out there because then you will get into a rhythm and things get easier and then doors start to open. Like really they do. You think it was maybe, um, are you an introvert? So you didn't want to publish your work? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, big time. Because like, I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to be seen as, uh, you know, I was just very, I'm a very critical, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very critical of myself. Mm -hmm. I always have been. And so that's exacerbated, right? When you, when you think about the space, I'm like, gosh, all these eyes on me, like, no thanks. But I knew like, I'm not going to be able to accomplish in life what I want to accomplish in life if I do not overcome this fear. Yep. And it's still challenging to me sometimes. Like I'm still really nervous sometimes about what I write because I'm like, I don't want to offend and I don't want to be a poser <laughs> or a fraud or a phony. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, the, uh... and, these, and I'm my worst critic. And, and I'm sure everybody who's listening to this, maybe a portion of the listeners, maybe might be able to relate yeah. to something like that. And, yeah. and so it's the enemy in your own head. It's yep. like, shut that down and just <laughs> do the thing you know you need to do. Okay. Yeah. And, and honestly, especially in the beginning, nobody's paying attention. You can make a lot of mistakes as long as you don't compromise, I think on your values, your principles, and like, you don't make those kind of mistakes. You can mm-hmm. make all sorts of mistakes and you will be forgiven, man. You can make so many mistakes and you will be forgiven. Um, as long as it's done with, with, with a positive intention. And, and again, you're not trying to burn anyone. You're trying to do it uh, to be beneficial, trying yeah. to do it for the good. Like you, people will forgive you. People won't even notice. And so it's like, I, I, you know, that's the thing it's, um, yeah. for me, I was, um, I am an introvert. I, I consider myself an introvert. I think I am like, if I took a test, I'd be an introvert. <laughs> um, and so it was very scary to put myself out there and it still <laughs> struggled because it's not, I'm not, I don't like to be on social media. <laughs> and I know if I was on social media every day, like some of the people, my compatriots, I would probably have a bigger following, <laughs> more people know me, but I just, I yeah. actually, I just don't like that. But that's, you know, that's one of those, my own things I try to get over. But then I also say, knowing that's who I am, yeah, I don't have to be that guy if I don't want. So it's like, who's the guy that I want to be? Who do I want to be? And and I'm going to go that path and I'm going to do that thing. And there's always ways that I can improve and, and do that. But, you know, bottom line is, yeah, I guess I'll just wrap it up and say that. It's like, yeah, cool. get, get over your fear if you're struggling with it. It's yeah. like, honestly, nobody cares about you right now. That's the perfect time to start. Like there's some, there's a, a certain level of freedom that yeah. came with, uh, that I actually look back on really fondly when I was first getting started. Just like I knew so little, it was like always fun. I was, and I'm still learning stuff all the time because I'm always new, doing new stuff. But like, especially in the beginning, it was like, it was, it was actually really exhilarating in spite of it being really scary. But I think that's, that's where, that's where magic happens is that, that, that space between uh, the your your edge of your competence and and that new territory that you're trying to move into. Cool, right on. Well, that sounds good. So, what's on the horizon for you? Uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I sometimes say same old, same old, which for me means something new all the time. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Got, got a couple of new businesses that we've been kind of growing, um, and doing a lot of a lot of new stuff in the the publishing space still still publishing books, still trying to get on a more consistent habit myself of writing. I'm such a slow writer, <laughs> but I got a, I got a couple books that are kind of in the pipeline that I'm writing, but they're not even anywhere close to finished. Hmm. And so we'll see how those go. But uh, yeah, just, you know, a lot, it's, it's kind of the same old, same old in that regard, just trying to continue to help and serve, uh, you know, my readers, my customers and clients and, mm-hmm. uh, 
and trying to grow that at the same time in a All way right. where I'm not sacrificing like my life for that, but that uh, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it integrates really well with, with my life and lifestyle. Well, let me know when you're done with those books and I'll try to help you we'll out do. as best I can. I appreciate so. that. All right, then. Okay, so where do you want our listeners to go to? I would go to TomMorkus.com. That's T-O-M-M-O-R-K-E-S.com. TomMorkus.com. There's a bunch of stuff right from there. We, we mentioned a few different resources, yep. but if you just go to TomMorkus.com, you'll be able to find them all. I, I've actually finally, or I will this week, um, I finally put on, uh, some of those resources were kind of hidden because of some mm -hmm. website redesigns and stuff like that and hard to okay. find. But when you go there, when you listen to this, when it's published, if you go there, you'll be able to find some of these books we talked about, yep. some of these free courses we talked about, um, different ways that, that I might be able to help you depending on, on where you're at right now and in, in your journey. Yeah, I loved it. I went there and I got all the stuff for free and uh, thank you very much. And thanks for your time. It's been real. I, I really enjoyed it. I always say this at the end. I want to reserve you for the next follow-up podcast because there's so many things we can go on about. Yeah. And uh, thanks again, Tom. Eric, thank you so much, man. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you again. And I will see you at the top. Okay, my friends, if you like that podcast, then remember to go to zbooks.co and go get all the materials to start your authoring career. We have a seven-day challenge every week, so there's no excuse to not finish your book. And remember, please go to iTunes and upload this podcast and Google Play. Okay, I look forward to seeing you at the top.